This month marks a decade since the eight councils of the Auckland region were merged. On 31st of October 2010, the region's seven local councils and regional councils ceased to exist. And on Monday, 1st of November 2010, the Auckland Council officially started operating, or as we call it, the Super City. Uh, Mayor Lilomayava Fiogop says removing the old city and district council boundaries in 2010 and creating one cohesive organization has had a transformation effect on Tamaki Makaura. We're joined now by the Mayor of Auckland, His Worship Lilomayava Fiogop, on the program to talk about this milestone. Talo Falava and welcome to the program. Ah, Talo Falava and good to be back on. Um, you know, it's funny, uh, 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 your worship, looking around, and I remember 10 years ago about this time, you were the leader of what was then the opposition party. And uh, one of the lines you said was, was quite prophetic in a way. You said that, wasn't our time this time, but our time will come again. We're a bit bloodied, but not defeated. Wow. 10 years since then, and uh, those <laughs> words rang true, didn't they? Well, that's true. Politics uh, goes in cycles, and, um, you know, the Labour Party will be celebrating... Um, pretty um, impressive victory at the last uh, election just a couple of weeks ago that <laughs> we're a bit focused on the election in America today um, you know that that election win was the biggest uh, since MMP um, first came into effect in I think 1996 and to have uh, one party elected uh, able to govern in its own right albeit with a, a cooperation agreement with the Greens uh, is, is a pretty impressive result to get you know Effectively, what I think after specials will be around 50% of the vote. Um, that's unusual, and I think it does reflect, you know, the the extraordinary leadership of uh, Jacinda Ardern, and um, that people felt that, um, you know, things were happening, and that this country was really blessed in so far as how we'd been able to handle COVID-19, you know, following science, uh, unlike the President of the United States, uh, and and containing the spread of the virus better than almost any other country in the world. So, yeah, it was a, was a good election victory for, for Labour. And uh, now they've got the big task ahead of them, of course, of uh, starting to work towards economic recovery as we meet some of the economic consequences of COVID-19, both because of the lockdown, uh, but also because of the international recession caused by the, the spread of the virus internationally. Hmm. Oh, well, back here at home, you know, 10 years on and from your perspective since joining the, the mayor road. I mean, what has been some of the major milestones since the Auckland Council itself came into being on exactly the 1st of November 10 years ago? Well, I, th I think the first thing is to take a, 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 a an approach that's a united and cohesive approach right across the region. You know, at the time that um, the Royal Commission recommended the amalgamation of the Auckland councils, there were eight councils and they weren't getting on with each other. So the Auckland Regional Council, which had some of the regional functions, was busy suing a number of the other councils, the seven other um, uh, territorial councils, and they were suing the ARC. I think they were about to spend $20 million in legal fees fighting with each other. And that's no way to run a city. What we wanted to have was to have one approach for one city. And effectively, 
despite our size, 1.6, 1.7 million people, we are one city and we need to plan across it. We need to plan across it for transport, for water supply, for dealing with our wastewater, uh, with ensuring that we've got the infrastructure for housing, uh, making sure that we all get behind some of the big institutions that we support, you know, like the museum and the zoo and MOTAT and, you know, they're there was no agreement between the councils on how to do that, so that central government had to come in and legislate to tell the councils what to do. Well, now we are one city. We work together. We have 21 of us sitting around the governing body of the Auckland Council, representing all sections of the, the city, but actually acting in the regional interests, so that instead of duplication, instead of squabbling, uh, we've got uh, one unitary plan that, that works out how we want to go into the future. We have one body dealing with transport, one body dealing with water, and, and that's made a whole lot of sense. It's saved a lot of money. The, the Auckland University of Technology estimates that we're saving over $300 million a year by ending that duplication, uh, and that means that that money is available for more positive things. And as you know, one of the challenges too, uh, the positive being that you're able to work together, the challenges is you've got 21 different perspectives when it comes to decision making. Does that make it harder or easier to turn the elephant around? Um, it's important that we have different perspectives, but it does make it harder. Um, you know, for 32 years I was in Parliament and uh, you'd have a discussion within your caucus and there'd be different points of view expressed and then... Um, there'd be a vote on what the policy we should be pursuing. And once we'd made the decision that we were going to go in a particular direction, everybody got behind it. Well, on council, there's 21 of us, um, all probably opinionated, um, all with um, somewhat different perspectives. And, uh, you know, somebody said, well, it's like, like uh, you know, it's like herding cats. <laughs> the cats don't herd very well. Um, but despite that, um, actually, you know, um, when we had the emergency budget recently, um, 18 votes out of 21 were in favour of that emergency budget. Now, you know, any party in Parliament that, that got a, uh, an 80-90% support for its budget would be pretty pleased. So, um, no, we, we welcome different points of view. We People come from different political party backgrounds and, uh, you know, different generations, different ethnic groups. Um, but by and large, we come together, we try to work out the best solution for the city, and then we do it. Talk to us about some of the uh, measures that Auckland Council has put in place uh, to manage the impacts of COVID-19 because we know now, uh, as it's now we're seeing crashes going through, hopefully they don't have to go through the isolation that we went through as Aucklanders. But um, in terms of Auckland itself, what are some of the measures put in place just in case? Well, by and large, managing COVID-19 is a function of the health system and that's run centrally. But we work in conjunction with them. And for example... Uh, when we had that uh, lockdown, level level three and four, um, God, it seems so long ago now, doesn't it? Um, back in um, um, uh, March, April, May, um, we, for example, provided some of our environmental health officers to work with the regional um, uh, district health boards. Uh, we worked in with central government in terms of uh, providing emergency food supplies for the people that you know suddenly found themselves without work and without income. So I think we distributed uh, more than 20,000 food and welfare uh, parcels to people experiencing financial hardship. Uh, when our librarians were, you know, locked down and weren't able to open the libraries, um, we redeployed the, the staff there to make 15,000 telephone calls to check on 
uh, older Auckland residents, residents over 70, who didn't have um, people living with them and weren't connected uh, electronically um, by, you know, by, uh, by Wi-Fi. Um, we we also worked with um, government to to help ensure that we had proper quarantine facilities, and uh, worked in conjunction with them. Now a lot of those functions have come back to central government. Um, you know we we don't have the the crisis situation that we had at level three and level four. Um, but we're still working with central government. And we're working on things like, OK, what is the impact? Feeding back to central government, what the impact on Auckland has been of the lockdown, of COVID-19, of the international recession, and making sure that we're working together to, to help bring forward economic recovery. And then I'm feeding back information, you know, for, I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, we've got to keep our borders secure, obviously. But when we've got big projects like the city rail link and the, the central interceptor, the city rail link, obviously the underground rail uh, around Auckland that doubles rail capacity from the south and the west, uh, and the central interceptor, which um, will stop um, a, a huge number of those wastewater overflows into the harbour, we need people from overseas with engineering specialist expertise, you know, tunnellers and things like that. And sometimes the government policy slows that down and, delays projects and costs billions of, well, hundreds of millions of dollars, actually. And we can work with them to say, look, we've got some pinch points here. Let's get together. Let's make sure that we can allow these people in. Yes, they'll be quarantined, um, but we need them for these projects to go ahead. So it, it is that close working relationship with central government that is so important. And in a, uh, probably within a couple of weeks, I'll be on a plane down to Wellington, uh, talk through with all the new ministers um, what the challenges are that Auckland has. Um, not Auckland looking for more than its fair share, but certainly not wanting to take anything less than its fair share, just to get a fair share of the resources of central government to help our people recover from COVID-19. And I think while we're on the topic of, you know, um, shower-ready projects and, and, and future plans of Auckland City, we're looking at the speed of, of, of some of these projects. Um, just this morning, we're, you know, uh, your council is currently working on funneling in all the different dialogue when it comes to the proposed alternative for the shore, which is a tunnel that um, apparently it's going to estimate it cost around $5 billion to be delivered between 10 to 25 years. I mean, for me, it's frustrating hearing that I'm going to be paying tax into a tunnel. I'll probably, by the time I get there, it'll be my son to drive me through and not me. I mean, <laughs> you know, hopefully it's the speed sometimes that these things are needed. I mean, why do they take so long? Um, two reasons. One, uh, obviously, you know, that um, Third Harbour Crossing will be one of the biggest infrastructure projects we've ever had in this country. And the the cost estimates on the, init uh, on the initial budget, uh, business case that's, uh, that's just come out are somewhere between $5 and $10 billion. Uh, that's, that's really huge. So first thing, when you're spending that sum of money, you want to make sure you've got it right. Uh, proper planning um, <clears throat> and... Uh, a project of that stage takes years to plan and then years to construct. Uh, look, Remember the Waterview Tunnel, and the Waterview Tunnel's doing a great job for us, um, but I was in Cabinet when we made the decision to do that, 2007, 2008, and I was there as Mayor in 2018 when it finally opened. So, you know, even something that's, by comparison, um, 
quite a lot simpler than the, the, the harbour crossing. Uh, that took 10 years to bring about. But some of the shovel-ready projects we're working on quite quickly. Um, those of you in South Auckland, if you drive down uh, Puanui uh, Road to the uh, Puanui train station there, we'll see this big new Puanui interchange uh, taking place, which is a, a bus rail um, um, station that's um, you know 21st century, probably $60 million worth there. You'll see the, the roadworks that are going on from Puanui Station right through to the airport so that we've got a congestion-free um, bus uh, shoulder lane uh, so that you guarantee your time to the airport. You catch the train to Puanui, you catch the bus uh, on a, a fast feeder service every 10 minutes, congestion-free to the airport. So that's one of the shovel-ready projects. Um, the ferry basin redevelopment in town, a whole lot more people are using ferries, and we encourage that. You know, um, Good thing about ferries, you don't have to fill the potholes in the roads. Um, it, uh, you, you travel on uh, the sea, uh, and you're taking every person that travels into the town by ferry from Pine Harbour over in the uh, east of Auckland or Whangaparaua Peninsula or Devonport or Waiheke. Um, you know, um, well... Waiheke, you've got to travel by ferry anyway. The other places you can travel by car, we'd rather have people travelling by ferry. The Northwestern uh, Busway, um, <clears throat> we've begun work on that already to upgrade the bus shoulder lanes so that we've got a, um, uh, interim bus stops at Westgate, Lincoln Road, Teatatu Motorway and Exchange. That's going well. The Tafo Pathway, great idea, a, a pathway, cycle, walkway, all the way from, um, you know, Teatatu right through to New Lynn and then finally through to the Manukau Harbour. Um, that's going to be great, and we've got money for that in the shovel-ready projects as well. Um, there's other stuff that's happening with shovel-ready. Um, the new Unitec site, um, well, it's, it's an old site, but it'll be a new housing site in Mount Albert where, where we'll be building 4,000 homes. Um, the... Uh, the upgrading of water and wastewater for uh, redevelopment of uh, Mount Roskill, the, you know, all the new um, housing going in, redeveloped state house areas in Mount Roskill and Mangere, um, out, out east in uh, Glen Innes and Point England. Um, <clears throat> and last but not least, I'll just mention the, um, the Auckland City Mission Home Ground Project. If, you, if you're up on Hobson Street, you'll see this new building going up next to St Matthew's in the city. And that will have 80 units um, for people that are homeless. Um, they will have a detoxification centre, so they'll have facilities to deal with the cause of sometimes, you know, addictions that make people homeless. All of those are shovel-ready projects that are moving forward, and we've got funding for the government on. And I said that was the last point, but I'm just going to touch on a couple of others. Um, out, out south again, uh, Drury, we're building 20,000 new houses out there. Um, we are electrifying the railway line from Papakura to Pukekohe. We're building a third main trunk line there. We're expanding the motorway. We're putting in walking, uh, walkway and cycleways. All of that, you know, so that we can allow the housing to go in and not have the worsening traffic congestion that was the result of uh, bigger population growth but no investment in infrastructure. Sorry, that's a long list, but uh, gives you a bit of a picture of what's happening. Mm, exciting stuff. Well, since we're talking about housing, can you advise your council when they're building these houses to make sure that it fits the people they're building it for? Because sometimes they're building it to make use of space. They're building it two-storey high and an, an old Pacific Islander with uh, two hips from someone else and some other instrument struggles to climb up there. But uh, I'm not going to, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll come back to that another time. But look, uh, Your Worship, thank you very much for your time this morning and uh, happy 10-year anniversary to the Super City. Yeah, thank you very much, and great, great, great to be on the radio with you this morning. Thank you very much for the time. Five day, ten, eleven.